0: Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hi everyone. Waalaikumsalam. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 2. And today we'll be discussing about the heart and beauty of Islam. Thank you for tuning in today to our weekly Sunday nightlife on the Shaharul nightlife. Today we'll be talking about heart and beauty of Islam. And most importantly, we would like to do a personal sharing of beauty of Islam that is very different from each and every one of us. So we start with those who have just embraced Islam. They can start first and eventually a born Muslim like Staiful Rahman who will share his take on the beauty of Islam. He okay, we'll start to ask the youngest one maybe first. I think the youngest one here is Joanne Chin. No. Okay, so um, Joanne, just share with us. In your personal take on the beauty of Islam, and we'll move around the table. Everyone will get a chance to share their version of the beauty of Islam. Go
1: ahead. Hey, assalamualaikum everyone. Assalamualaikum. I just have a short story about how I embraced into Islam. First of all, I have a boyfriend who is a Muslim, Malay in Malaysia, and when I'm in relationship with him, so I get to know more about Islam. So he always talks to me about Islam, and he always show me what is Islam like. The Islam is so beautiful. Allah loves us. Everything. So he used to share me a lot of videos about the people talk about like they get the hidayah and they. I when I watch the video, the when the people saying that they're getting the hidayah and they cry and like they cry so deeply and and. Uh, uh, I was like, why do people crying so like? they can cry just when they talk about Hidayah. So I search YouTube, Instagram, I, I just like hashtag and Hidayah and something like that. But there is nothing that is showing me how they can really get the Hidayah. Like I still don't understand. So well, one day I was like, have a small fight with my boyfriend. Then I was thinking like, should I go on or should I just let go if I really cannot love and want to just want to revert uh, Islam just because I love Allah instead, or I just want to get married. So I tried to search, and that night I was scrolling Instagram. Then the brother it was the video was showing. It. So I was like, okay, maybe there is something. So I just click it and and watch the video. After that, I just start to find any classes for mala because I'm from KL. So I searched in Facebook everything. Then I found a Chinese, a Mandarin class. So I joined the class. From there, I started to know more about Islam. And the first class that I joined is the. We start was talking about what is Hidayah. I was like, oh, it really hit me, and like maybe Allah is talking to me. So I joined the class every week. And I have some problem during my work. It's uh, very stressful. So I pray to Allah, if you give me strength and knowledge to get through this stress situation, that time is all this. So at that time, I really, really struggle and I keep playing the ZQ, something like that from YouTube. That time, I still don't know what it means. I just simply play inside the YouTube. So I feel peace. And after my auditing, the result is like unsurprising, which is I really have, I cannot say I did a great job, but the auditing is not much of finding about my department. So after that, I was like, okay, it's time to revert to Islam. So I decided to revert to Islam. Then I tell my boyfriend, family and my boyfriend, so they get shocked, like, does anyone force me? I say no. So I go and revert on the March. And after convert, my first prayer was Asa. So when I pray, then the Hidayah is really touched my heart or Allah touched my heart, I don't know. So after the prayer, after the last sujood, I was crying so badly. Like I hear some someone tell me three times, why you are so late? Why you are so late? I was like, and I cry like, I can't stop at all. So that's how I embraced Allah. And until today, Alhamdulillah, I fully foster for this Ramadan also. Yeah. This is my storyline. And mashallah. I really feel he is there.
0: <laughs> so, Mashallah, this is uh, before you revert to Islam. And that's how you felt the beauty of Islam came to you. And after reversion, uh, is there any experience of this beauty or anything changed in this beauty?
1: Yeah, it's just recently. Mm-hmm. I during Ramadan I keep because my work is so stressed, so I when I when I solat or to do it, I will like just cry because of my work. Then I pray to Allah that I want to change my job that has a higher pay and long I got free time to learn Islam and I got uh I can I can have more time for my family and I got extra pay, you know, I can help people. And Allah answered my prayer. Alhamdulillah, I get a new offer. It's double up my current salary and it's not that stress, it's like uh more to the view that I like also. So this is really like all I can say is really alhamdulillah for this. And second thing is I think I started to not really judge people just like that. Like something happened and I would just say, oh, maybe this one is Allah put in my pathways to testing me or I want to read all. It's like everything I would think about Allah first instead of I just want to like blame why my life is like that, like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So <laughs> oh, you asked Allah for help and you can see that he brings uh, all, all sorts of help to, to help you through your prayers, right? That's amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay, so next we shall invite the next person up to share before they became a Muslim and after the beauty of Islam. Next one should be Iskander. Yep, Iskander,
2: you're up. First okay. of all, Alaikum. And um, let me first start with before, before I became a Muslim, I was very confused about Islam itself but not just about Islam, about life itself too. So one of the reasons I started looking into Islam is because I saw a kind of strength with born Muslims that I lacked or that I could not see in Chinese diaspora people. So for example, many diaspora Chinese here do have a good education, make decent money. But there was a question of why there was so much I should one say civilizational lack of self-confidence, so low civilizational self-esteem, if you get my drift. So there was a lot of self-hatred, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of white worshipping, if you're familiar with the term. And I looked at the Chinese diaspora and I was like, why is this the case? We make good money. We have good jobs. So why should we be ashamed to be who we are? And then I saw the Muslims, right? I saw the Moroccans. I saw the Turkish communities. I saw the, um, to some extent, the Indonesian communities. And I was quite surprised because back then, stereotypically, these groups don't make as much money as the Chinese, stereotypically. Of course, this is not always true. But it made me wonder why these people had more confidence in their religion, in their civilization, and in their ethnicity more so than the Chinese who were materially more wealthy. And the only answer I could really find was Islam. All these groups had one thing in common, which was Islam. And because of this, I started looking into Islam. I thought the beauty of Islam back then was their sense of community, their sense of identity, and their sense of pride in their own traditions. However, after I reverted into Islam, I saw that this was only a small part of what makes Islam powerful or beautiful. And I really found that the reason these people were confident in their religion, in their faith, is probably, and I'm not sure, but probably because of the hope that this religion gives us. And after my reversion, I realized that Islam really is a religion of hope. So no matter what you face, whether it's material poverty, whether it's pain, whether it's suffering, whether you're losing a limb, if you have Islam, you have a rock to fall back on, uh, you have an anchor to, to, to root yourself in and this is something that is so indescribably important and beautiful that I think that that is for me what is most beautiful in Islam but um, that's a short summary oh, Beautiful So Islam is
0: hope for you and uh, how it shows the strength of uh, those who, like you mentioned earlier, the Chinese, they have money and everything, but people who are not in that status and power, they're able to unite and have the strength to keep pushing forward, and that is Islam. Beautiful. Right, yes. MashaAllah. All right. So after that, now that you're a Muslim, is there anything
2: you experienced in terms of the beauty of Islam? Well, it's a totally different perspective, but when you realize that, creation is Allah's creation. And sometimes you just walk out into the nature and you look, especially during springtime, it's beautiful out there. And you just see the birds and the grass and the trees doing their thing. You're like, wow, Alhamdulillah, that I am able to to experience this kind of beauty. But that's from a different perspective. That's um, one of the things that came to my mind. So you notice the wonders and
0: awe of Allah's creation after becoming a Muslim more, you pay attention to all the little things around you that only a creator of this world can have
2: yeah, can do all I this. You used to take these things for granted because everything was a coincidence anyway. So why why care? You know, but when you realize it's not a coincidence, it's different. It just hits different, you know. Mashallah, beautiful.
0: All right. So let's invite the next person up, which I would say is Risa.
3: Hello, I'm Rusi and My name on the tag thing is Ruseology because that's my YouTube account, but like whatever about that. But so about Islam and why I find it so beautiful is the fact that it's literally jam-packed with so many stories. When I was a kid growing up, my mom read stories to me. Also, my dad read stories to me. And they were just random fables and lessons and stories of people going to the village or like trading and doing some random stuff in the old and medieval times or something. But the thing is, Islam is really, really beautiful in the sense it's almost like a movie that every time you rewatch it, you find something new. You know, when you're like you're watching a movie for the first time, you watch it kind of passively. Then you watch it the next time and you pick up all these different symbolisms inside and you're like, wait, this movie is actually so deep there's so much like layers this director is a genius you know it's the same thing with islam every time I pick up the quran there's something new inside it that i didn't find before for example like i've read surah surah to a before and i just feel like well you know it's very deep it's very cool but like Last Friday, when I read it over again with my friend and we were going line by line, like literally dissecting every word and dissecting the meaning of all these stories of the of the men that were in the cave and how did they have a dog? Did they not have a dog? We should not, you know, dispute over such small matters. And then Allah made them sleep for 300 days and so on. And what happened when they uh, woke up and went back to the village? This is like a drama. This is better than drama. It's like a whole like Netflix show, but like not Netflix. <laughs> it's um, it's a whole story that, like, reminds us of, like, so many layers of, like, you know, if you ever, like, sacrifice for anything for the sake of Allah, Allah rewards you, in the sense, like, in so many different ways. And in, in the Surat kahf there's also the story of Prophet Musa and how he followed along with someone who was, like, kind of, like, destroying things. And then Musa was just asking him, like, why are you destroying things? And then the guy told him, didn't you see, like, I... Ha- I told you, you wouldn't have patience for like all these results. I, I, I'll tell you later on. And the lesson like reveals later on why he was doing all these quote unquote terrible things. And actually these things weren't actually for terrible reasons. There's obviously like, so much like lessons within these stories. And I find that so, so beautiful because every time we open the Quran, there's something new that can apply to our current life. And if we just read between the lines, we can always find something that can help us every day, you know?
0: Mm. Beautiful. That's so amazing, like how you look at the Quran and you re- apply it to your daily life and you see how it brings together everything. And that's the beauty that you're experiencing. This is prior to you becoming a Muslim or after you've taken your Shahada?
3: Oh, um, this is like after taking Shahada.
0: So before you've taken your Shahada, uh, did you experience anything beautiful about Islam?
3: Yeah, I, I definitely do. It's just like the same as Joanne, you know, it's just the feeling of tears and crying a lot, you know. Um, repenting not really repenting the sake that's like i felt guilty but it's more just repenting the weight off my back from just life itself
0: beautiful amazing so you have gone through certain things in life and somehow when you come to experience islam it gave you an answer It kind of gives you the answer and suddenly all your questions in life are answered is that right it? yeah
3: because
0: before you became a muslim mashallah Okay, thanks, Risa. Okay, so I think it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> Let me no, coincidentally, myself... Risa,
4: I just yeah. finished doing slides for stories of Suratul Kafi. You know, the one that you were discussing about. It was just yesterday night. It was like, wow, yeah. what a coincidence. <laughs>
3: yeah, <it's> so good.
0: <laughs>
4: MashaAllah. <laughs> All right, so my
0: sharing of the beauty of Islam. There are many facets of beauty in Islam. I believe, okay, besides uh, being a complete way of life, that answers our spiritual needs. It also offers guidance and laws for mankind to live and govern Earth. Uh, Islam is beautiful because they look into the minor details of like how we should live our life, we purify our heart and our soul, avoiding intoxicants, guarding our chastity, consuming what's good for the mind, body, and soul. Example: the consumption of halal and toiban food, wholesome food. Uh, versus you know, something that is not halal, uh, to even information information that we consume in the news, the media. Islam talks about how, you know, even how war should be conducted, how we should be fair and just and always upholding truth over falsehood, how we should be generous and charitable, care for the sick, the orphans, the spouses, uh, our parents, you know, to to marriage, wealth distribution, Everything, it's complete. Uh, Islam completes everything, ending racism, even uplifting the status of women, protecting our dignity and all. So these are just some examples of facets of beauty of Islam. But what I personally feel that is beautiful about Islam, besides all this, is um, is how connected we are as uh, true Muslims to our creator, Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, whose power and might exceeds anything in this world how His mercy and love extends and envelopes the entire universe and is embedded in each and every one of our hearts. And not only to worship Him, but also to love His creations. And that's why we can feel so deeply for each other, even when we might be strangers from different parts of the world. Uh, Muslims who are, known to be, are also known to be welcoming and you know, inviting. Whenever you have a Muslim, he greets you with alaikum, he smiles at you. They warm our hearts with a beautiful smile. So when a Muslim brother or sister is oppressed or hurt, you know, someone we are easily moved to tears and our hearts just soften and we want to do all that we can to help people. And this is some of the beauty that I noticed uh, in Islam. Somehow, you know, even though we are not going through what our brothers and sisters are going through, we can taste a bit of that struggle that they are going through and wish that we can all live a good life and enter Janatu Fardawas together. In fact, struggling is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I'm really grateful actually for struggling in life because it's like an open inv- invitation from Allah to us to feel, our, feel ourselves. you know, getting more intimately closer to Him. Every time when I'm going through something bad in my life, I, I really desire to put my head down and, and to do my sujood longer you know, during prayer, just to cry out to the Almighty and the heart just feel comforted and at peace. And that mercy just overflows again, as if I'm taking my shahada once again. And when I read the Quran after that, the words sink in further, as if Allah is speaking directly to me. As if He's saying, I'm here for you, my servant. Nothing can overcome you, because I am here. I'm the Almighty, and I'm glad you seek my help. There's a veil over you that you just can't see, and this is a test to bring you closer to me. You know? Be patient, and this struggle will be over. These worldly affairs are temporary, but my love for you is forever. That is how I feel every time I do my solat and I struggle and when I say this, you know, I, I can imagine that Allah speaks to us directly in that, that manner. And the Quran, you know, although it's in Arabic, it's, it's so amazing. It has a lot of miracles. It's amazing that you can memorize by so many people from everywhere in the world, from cover to cover, you know, and we are reciting and in Arabic even though we are of different ethnicities. So, the Quran has the ability to melt one's heart and to heal our hearts that's what I think it's so beautiful about Islam. All these that I've just mentioned, when they all come together, is amazing. That's my sharing of the beauty of Islam. Inshallah. I think it's time for my to start to, <laughs> to, to share a bit more of it. all our sharing. I think he can have uh, his insight on this. And also, because he's a born Muslim, it's interesting to know now
4: from him the beauty of Islam. Okay, Assalamu alaikum, everyone. I'm kind of the odd one here, <laughs> the born Muslim perspective. So for me, uh, you know, when I listen to your stories, how you come to Islam and what attracted you to Islam is really inspiring because, you know, the difference between someone who's born into the faith and someone who searches and get into the faith is sometimes the born Muslims, as born Muslims, we kind of take many things for granted because uh, we grew up in it. And, you know, for most of us, when we were young, we were forced to pray, we were forced to do this and that. The significance of it has been reduced for us, for most of us. But as a born Muslim, personally, for me, the heart and the beauty which is the topic of today's discussion is just like what uh, Iskandar mentioned is the message of hope. Right? I mean, if you look at it, historically, Islam came smack in the middle of Mecca, provided hope to those who were downtrodden. The slaves were the first adherents who responded to the message of the Prophet wasallam. They embraced the message because they, they lacked hope. And so, Islam came and gave them hope. Then, as you see the development of this faith, as more Sharia came to be revealed, you'll find that this institution of hope within Islam becomes truly embedded within our our way of life. Particularly if you don't deny that the fact that we all face challenges in life, one after another, sometimes from others, sometimes even from our own selves, you see the framework in which Allah provides uh, in Islam. So, if I were to quote one of my favorite um, I mean, they're all my favorites, but you know, one that I usually uh, think about uh, quite a lot is Insra Azumar. And then in chapter 39, verse 53, Allah says, Say, tell my servants, O oh, my servants who have transgressed, who have committed sins against their own souls. Because when we commit sins, it is not, you know, really against Allah. Allah is independent of our deeds, right? So He says, "Asrafu Allah against our own selves." And then the next line is beautiful because He says, "La taknatum Do not despair. Do not give up on the mercy of Allah. Oh, I mean. Allah declares it, so don't despair. It is a personal message that Allah is giving uh, to us uh, in, the, in the in this surah, you know, in the, in the Quran. And He says, In Allah For verily, Allah forgives all sins. He does not just stop at "I forgive sins," you know, and that, that would be subjected to, to grades of sins. But He says, "Inna Allah yafuru Zunuba jami'ah, jami'ah, all of them rahim, and he then restressed the fact that he is the most forgiving, and the most merciful. Subhanallah. I think it's really uh, uh, one of the verses that gives me hope, right? And so when he says, "Do not give up on my mercy," do, you know, because I forgive everything. Um, sometimes we look at it as uh, something that's theoretical. Okay, but he assures us and he says, وَإِذَا فَإِنِّي And if they ask you, Muhammad, where am I? I think we covered this last week. Where am I? Indeed, I am near. And I, I know the other other verses that talks about he's not only near, he's nearer to you than your juggler vein. And he responds to your supplication, your doa, what, whatever that you want from him, he will give you if you ask from him sincerely. Right? He, you know, um, he said he is going to test us, test after test, and this doesn't stop. Huh? So if you think that uh, just because you start to pray and you know your challenges get alleviated and you won't be tested anymore, you're wrong. Because if you notice, the higher maqam you, you reach, the, the greater the test. And amongst us, the one that's tested most and tested with uh, much gravity are the prophets the one that's closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So don't, don't expect that the test will stop, you know, just because you pray, just because you fast. But the thing that, you know, Allah impresses us is that, you know, and therefore this religion which with the message of hope is that uh, He tests you so that you may become stronger, so that you get to know what you're made of, so that you know what are your limits. But also, so that you will know how to make use of the strength that you've discovered about yourself. So this this conversation is a bit uh, content heavy because I'm going to recite there's so many verses of the Quran so I just can't help but to just recite as I, as I go along to this topic. Uh, because Allah promised all of us that definitely He will give us uh, a test because He says in Surah al Baqarah in verse 155, He says definitely we will min uh, minal khawf, test you with khawf, uh, fear. Wal ju', hunger. Wa minal amwal, the loss of your wealth. Wal, wal anfus, uh, your lives. Wa and the fruits of your labor. You know, the efforts that you put in maybe to perform a project, and then the last minute, maybe the computer wiped out all, the, all of your work. So he said, definitely, we will test you in all these categories. Number one, out of fear, hunger. Loss of wealth, loss of life, and loss of the fruits of your labor. But in the same line, immediately after that, he says, give good news to those who are patient. Right? So the, the test that uh, Allah gives us is really not to um, entertain him <laughs> in that sense, You know, especially if you look, look at it from the outside. But for us to intimately know our weaknesses and our strength to enable us to work them out, to achieve our best potential in this life and in the hereafter. And because of that, these tests are different from the tests that we undergo in schools or in life. You know, you remember when you are you know, at university or when you're in school, uh, you study for a couple of months and then in the end there will be an assessment or a test, a semester test or a final year exam. Right and and usually, as you and I know, usually, I mean, um, I was teaching in schools, and I was, you know, the attitude for most of us is we we cannot possibly pass everyone; we we're gonna fail someone, you know. So, test in life has a view that you know you are some of you are gonna fail. Right? Even even for me, <laughs> I mean, there are some red cards in my report book when I was younger, right? Uh, but the the test that Allah is giving us is slightly different because. This test that he gives us, he tests us, but he gives us an answer. Okay, so what is the answer? So, so for example, he says, So when you're subjected to a test, seek help through patience and seek help through prayer. Allah is with those who are patient. So the answer is there. So the first thing when you're befell with calamity, be patient and pray to Allah and He will be there to assist you. You know, and the basic principle is, uh, and I, I really love this verse. He says, Allah says in Surah Al-Imran, the last verse of Surah imran He says, O oh, you who believe, be steadfast in patience and be constant and have taqwa to Allah. And indeed, if you follow this, you will definitely be successful. So you see, this this exam, this, this test that Allah gives us is different from the test that we go through in life. This test I give you, but this is the answer to it. So you are you are you are meant to pass all of these tests. Right? Um, even those close to Allah were tested. Uh, in fact, they were tested more, like I mentioned before, because in terms of the dimensions of the test, in terms of the gravity of the test, um, than the way that Allah tests you and me. For example, we, we look at a test, um, our, our test in life <laughs> probably, what, what would be some of the tests that uh, challenges that you face in life, for example? I've been talking too long. Say again? Patience, usually how people Patience. treat you, how you react to right? them. how people treat you. Anyone else? What are your like challenges?
0: Haram
3: relationships.
4: Haram relationships, especially at that, at that age in school, Iskandar. Haram money in order Haram. to get away from Riva. Okay, well, that's that's another big topic that we can talk about, Joanne.
1: Getting patient, I'm like. If I want to get something, I want now, now. You want now. really <laughs> hard to get... It's
4: <laughs> yeah, really so, hard to get patient. You, you, you we just listen to ourselves and we see our, our, our challenges in life will be like, we go somewhere, no internet connection. or Even if there's internet connection, you know, I came in to this channel because uh, it was slow internet connection, for example, sometimes. Relationship issues, sometimes. Failure at work, sometimes. These, these are the kind of tests that we face through on a daily basis. But profits were tested with their lives. Prophet Musa had to walk all alone from Egypt to Madian, and that's roughly 580 kilometers on foot in the desert with nothing on him, just uh, Malaysia's hilai sepinggang. And he had to save a whole race while Pharaoh's army was hunting them down. Prophet Yunus was eaten by a huge whale. I mean, he, by here, we are like going to the beach and like, oh, today is so hot. Now, but, you know, consumed by the whale. I mean, I can't even compare and juxtapose this, you know, the kind of challenges that we go through. Prophet Ibrahim was burned in a massive bonfire. Right? Hadith, some hadith says, like, you know, it was burned for, for days on end and it was so hot that uh, they can't even go near the, the fire. That's why he has to be released on a catapult to be put inside that bonfire. Nabi Yusuf was left, was left abandoned to die all alone in a well when he was young. But his own siblings, none of us, Mashallah, I hope, had to go through that kind of challenges that the prophets went through. <laughs> right? So, sometimes when I, 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 you know, I think about some things that make me angry or make me impatient or make me, you know, like, oh God, sigh. I quickly recap what happened to those who are more beloved to Allah than me. The prophets, for example. And then it gives me perspective, you know, and it makes me less angry, makes me less patient. Granted, I will tell you, most of you are like uh, probably half my age. This idea of being able to control and have patience takes time. (laughs) It takes life experience. It takes, uh, you know, maturity, you know, and so on and so forth. So, but it doesn't mean that you stop progressing. You must continue to progress. But there's something, that's why I say this message of hope is a beautiful thing in Islam. Because in Sahih Muslim, um, the Prophet Wasallam said, Wonderful are the believers' affairs, for there is good in everything, and this is only for the mukmin. So when something good happens to him, he is grateful, and that is good for him. And when something bad happens to him, he perseveres patiently, and that is good for him. So either way, when something good happens, if you're grateful, mashallah, it's good for you. But if something terrible happens to you and you know you feel pain or you cry, and then you 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 you're patient and you you remain on the path, then it's also good for you because it's also something that Allah rewards. Right? So so that's another facet of it. But another beautiful thing is that although Allah tests us, and that's why it's a religion of hope, despite those tests, His compassion, His mercy, overcomes the difficulties of all of these tests. Because, like I said, we are were, we were meant to succeed. And you know, in a very uh, famous verse, at the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, he says, La nafsan illa wus'aha. On no soul does Allah place a burden greater than it can bear. It gets every good that it earns and it suffers every bit that, that it earns. So, meaning you are only tested to the extent that you are able to, uh, to carry that in order for you to pass the test. So then I, I asked myself, if that is the case, if that is, in theory is the case, why do we always fail <laughs> our test from Allah in, in whatever, you know, maybe anger or, you know, or impatience? You know, and, and then it, it dawned on me that while all the facilities that Allah provides us in order to pass His tests is available, we did not take it. Right? We did not take it. Or we didn't realize that it was there. Okay, because let me tell you that uh, how Allah comforts us. He says in a in another uh, famous uh, verse in Surah Surah Ashar, chapter ninety four, verse five and six. Fa usri yusra, usri yusra. What does it mean? Fa yusra, familiar? Yeah, familiar. right. Yeah. So he says, indeed. For indeed, every with every difficulty there is relief. And then, just like to emphasize that point, he repeats it again. And he says, indeed, with every difficulty there is relief. Right? And, and in the famous um, verse in Surah uh, Talak, Allah says, For every whoever have taqwa to Allah, he will always make a way out for him. So sometimes, like when I'm experiencing some issues in life that I I, I don't know how to resolve, and, you know, you just uh, perform salat hajat or or tahajud, and then you prostrate, and then you just I just keep on reading this verse, Ya Allah, uh, you know, uh, find a way out for me, you know, because in the in the verse that follows this, in verse three, uh, so Allah He says He will provide for you from ways that you can't even imagine how this help will come. But if it's for Allah, it's easy. right? So that faith that Allah would uh, you know, take you out of it is really uh, amazing. So keep on going. Never give up because the essence and the message of Islam, I think, is one of the most important things is hope. In uh, Hadith Qudsi, Allah says, O son of Adam, so long as you call upon me and hope in me, I shall forgive you for what you have done and I shall not mind. You know, like sometimes you ask someone for something and they say, can you give me something? And say, yeah, okay. But you know, they, behind all of that, they say, okay, remember next time when I need something, please respond to me back. But Allah says, I shall forgive you for whatever that you come to me for and I shall not mind. And then he continues to say, O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the clouds? That means from here to the clouds. I mean, it's massive in the sky. And were you then to ask forgiveness from me, I shall forgive you. Mashallah. O son of Adam, were you to come to me with an earth full of sins and were you to then come to face me without committing shirk, I shall grant you an earth full of pardon and forgiveness. In Sunan Terimezi. This is, you know, f- f- falling back to uh, the question that Iskandar asked last week about how much Allah loves us. I mean, this is this is it. Uh, I mean, if you let's say you let's say in in, in a boxing match because me and Iskand, Iskandar Iskanda you know a martial artist so we punch each other and I, you know I punch you and you're bleeding and you just stop and you 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 will get pissed and you say okay okay let's stop this and then you know and the next time when we meet I mean we're gonna be a bit more stressful in our relationship because you know you you are pissed with me right you kind of like know that there was a spot and you were going you're gonna get injured. But nonetheless, you're not happy with it. But Allah just, you say, just come to me with whatever amount of your sins. I will forgive you and it doesn't bother me a bit. And I will just like give it a new chapter, a new book. So this is the kind of attitude that, um, that I think we should develop as human beings. It's very difficult yeah, to forgive and forget. Because if I say, I forgive you, but you know, I will never forget. right? Usually we say, I forgive you, but I don't forget. <laughs> right, uh, you've done this to me. I will never forget. Whenever something happens, I will just make sure that I'm on guard. But if you forgive, but you don't forget, that means you have not forgiven him or her. Right, the true value of forgiveness is when you give and you forget it. Right, and that's a very tall order. I understand. You know, it's difficult for me too. But this is something that we aspire to be. Because if this is a religion of hope, then as the adherence of the faith as Muslims, then we must also be symbols of hope. Giver of peace, the religion of peace, who therefore gives hope. Not only to ourselves, but to every humankind, irrespective of faith. And so this message of hope in Islam is not only about returning to Allah and not giving up, as I've been talking for the last 10 minutes. It's also about the Islamic way of life, that the concept of ihsan, you know, we have arkanul iman, the belief system, Arkanul Islam, uh, Rukun Islam, which is the actions, the rituals. And then we have the third part, which is asan. And asan demands from us the perfection of asan that we excel in everything that we do. So if you're a student, your duty as a Muslim student, you must get uh, you know, the 4 GPA or 5 GPA depending on where, on where you live. I right. oh. <laughs> so R- 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 you see you're like oh no <laughs> but Wait, that I- is the strife mm. right that is our Islamic imperative that we must succeed in all that we do to top the class but unfortunately I mean you will go through life you hear some people will tell you that you know never mind just live a moderate life okay like just middle middle no need to be so good no need to be so bad no that's wrong that's not right we can't have over a billion Muslims in this world just being moderate members of the, of, of, of the earth. Cannot be what? I mean, that doesn't make sense why Allah created human beings if that's the case. Right? Then, you know, names like Al-Jazari, uh, al Haytam, Maryam Astrolabi, uh, a female, you know, especially in that time, Abbas Ibn Farnas, they all showed us examples of successful Muslims good in matters of faith, good in matters of the world, and whatever they have done and invented that gave the world was beneficial for all mankind, irrespective of faith. And that is the Islamic legacy that we must live in this world. Not just to be a group of people who is moderate and just consume and consume and consume and does not give. Right? So if you do not have exemplary Muslims, for example, then how do we get our first supply of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine? no one talks about this, but they were discovered by a Muslim couple. I mean, we need more Muslims like that who makes an impact on humanity, irrespective of gender, of race, or faith. And so it is okay to be successful. It is okay to be rich. It's okay to be on top. We just need to make sure that what we do with our success, what we do with our wealth, what we do with our power of influence, in a way that benefits in the path of Allah. And that's how we will, make, we will be made accountable later in the day of judgment. Uh, it is not to withhold your potential. It is Islam has been introduced to humanity to make you realize your potential and to do good with it. So that is my take on the beauty of Islam uh, for now. MashaAllah. I think uh have a question. Recently yes, goes, Oh, you were asking a question. I thought you wanted to make a comment.
3: Oh, no, no, no. I, I was just asking a question, but um, yeah. I guess it's a little bit off topic now since yes. uh, we're talking about success. But my question was like earlier um about moderation. How do we know that um we're like doing well? How do you know we're at the top of like the Islamic class, quote unquote? Like, um. Mm-hmm how do we know that our sins have been forgiven? And how do we know that we're on the right track? What are the signs that we're falling behind or actually excelling? Like, how do we actually know? Because we don't get immediate feedback, right? We get the feedback after we die. In that sense, like, um, how do we improve during our current lifetime?
4: Yeah, You know, know, that's a good question. Because if you look at the Quran, um, you know, one of the criticisms of others who have not read the Quran properly would say that, you know, Islam always... Uh, Allah always directs you like do this do that and and the Quran is really the book of rules and regulation but I mean read the, <laughs> read the Quran I mean the rules and regulation are actually minuscule compared to the kind of inspirational stories in the way that Allah teaches us okay, so that's point number one point number two one of these ways in which Allah uh, teaches us in the way that we live our life, is to have this concept of muhasabah, which is self-reflection, <laughs> uh, on a regular basis, not uh, once a lifetime, right? Uh, Muslims like to do that. For example, if you notice in the Malay culture, especially like for Joanne in Malaysia and Singapore, you know, uh, we will know that every Hari Raya in the, or Eid, Uh, In the morning, before we do anything, after we came back from our prayers, we will will sit on the chair and we will seek forgiveness from our parents, the the younger to the elders, you know? And that becomes sort of like a a routine. That is good. But, you know, it is not something that we do once a year. (laughs) In Islam, there's something that, we're going to talk about repentance soon, I mean, following up your question. It is something that we do whenever, as much as possible, as repeatedly as, as required, you commit something that offends some other people. You commit a sin. Okay, So this concept of muhassar, or self-reflection, must be done on a regular basis, if not on a daily basis. How well have you done today? So if you go for a class, you must come in with the attitude that I'm going to be the top student, I'm going to strive, I'm going to put in so much effort, I'm not going to waste my time so much on, on, on maybe Facebook or playing games on, on the computer... I mean, I'm not saying you can't. You can, but there's a limit to to things because your priority, maybe you're talking about uh, students and classes. As a student, your priority is to excel, to learn as much as you can. Your parents paid money for that. Your parents uh, excuse you from performing many of life's duties so that you can concentrate on just studying and excelling in, And so that is your foremost duty. So if you feel that you lag behind, you need to put in more effort. You need to learn more strategically then you have to do that right and in life how do you measure that you know what i used to do is uh, and i recommend this would be every night before you sleep i used to lie down you know you, you take a few minutes before you can actually sleep anyway so you will read all your three quotes or ayatul kursi or whatever verses of the quran for protection and then before you sleep i would just lay down and I just go through what have i done today and i sort of like give myself marks <laughs> you know um so let's say i did a good thing i give myself one point one point one point one point so let's say this whole day i've done 10 good things and so i know that the prophet said or, and allah says in the quran one good deed minimum times 10 so i give myself the, the marks of 10 times 10 100 marks Okay, this all uh, runs through in my mind. And let's say, how many times have I failed today? I lost patience. I was angry. I was impatient. I was blah 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 blah. So maybe I, I did twenty things which are not good, and so I said minus twenty points. And Allah says, in, you know, the Quran, the Hadith says, uh, you know, that one bad deed equal equals to just one point. So times one, so twenty. And so at the end of it, I said hundred minus twenty eighty. Say Alhamdulillah, I, I passed today. Hmm. You know, I, I mean, it doesn't work that way. You know, Allah's mercy can overcome many things. But I mean, this is a good assessment in which I examine myself. Right? So if I fail, and then it comes to the next topic. So the next topic, uh, is Freda was going to ask, or are we just going to continue about? It's uh, continue, yeah. It's uh, going smoothly it's, here. <laughs> about re- about <laughs> repentance, right? So repentance. Um, in, in Arabic, it's called tawbah, right? In Malay, it's called Taubat. <laughs> so anyway, it's Tauba, uh, And it means, in English, is to return or to retreat. Right? Meaning to leave behind the act that uh, Allah has prohibited and to return your actions towards Allah. Okay, so that's the, the essence linguistically what tawbah means. So to seek repentance uh, in, the, in the question that you ask, uh, is in essence to return to a state of peace, the essence of Islam. And you notice even from last week, I, I, tr- I wanted to calib- recalibrate most of our ideas about Islam. Islam is peace. So in order for us to go back to a state of fitrah is to go back to a state of peace. Right? So, Tawbah, that's one. But then Allah said in uh, Surah Tahrim, uh, He used another word, uh, when he talks about tawbah, he says, "Ya you الَّذِينَ tubu taubatan nasuha." So he says, oh you who believe, turn to Allah with tawbatan nasuha. And this means tawbah, nasuha, with, with sincerity, so sincere repentance. So this tells us a lot about repentance, uh, if we have committed something. We must sincerely know and acknowledge that we have committed a sin. And we must sincerely know that we want to eradicate that sin and have follow up actions and how to make good of our uh, sincere intention. Right? So the thing is, let me inspire you. Let me tell you that even Prophet Muhammad, whose sins have been forgiven before and after he became a prophet, and who has been guaranteed paradise, who is Allah's favorite that who is going to intercede for us and save us on the day of judgment, even he turned to Allah in repentance regularly. I will give in a quiz. Can you guess how many times the Prophet repented to Allah daily? Oh. Okay, maybe Fred, Fred i start. In one day, how many times the Prophet seek forgiveness from Allah? And he, he was already forgiven eh? in Surah al Fat. Uh, chapter 48 of the Quran, the first two, three verses, Allah has promised that He's been forgiven. I am assuming yes, yes.
0: we pray five times a day and mm-hmm. 17 raka'ats, so mm-hmm. 17 times, but I think the much prophet more asked 17
4: times only, no lah, more than that. Okay, only. okay, okay. Times, never mind. Uh, Let's 100. go to Russi. How many times do you think? Roughly. Like, just guess. No, it, it's,
3: um, I don't know. Bigger. 200?
4: <laughs> 200. Okay. Iskander? Well, guess. Uh, yeah. 99. <laughs> 99? Okay. That's an odd number. Joanne? 20 um, uh, times, I guess. Okay.
1: So, five,
4: so, uh, so, you, so, you are talking about the... Insanul kamil eh, the the perfected human being. eh? In terms of human, he's the most perfect. In Sahih Bukhari, (laughs) you know, we're not talking about Sunan, we're talking about Sahih, reported the Prophet to have said, by Allah, I ask Allah's forgiveness and turn towards him in repentance more than 70 times a day. InshaAllah. And in Sahih Muslim, uh, the Prophet said, all people turn in repentance towards Allah and ask for His forgiveness, I turn towards Him a hundred times a day. So this is the regularity. Yes.
3: Um, does that mean he's praying 70 times a day or does that mean... No, this to-
4: is above and beyond the things that he said during prayer, the one that uh, Ferdows was calculating. So how he's is... sitting you- down and like, making, yeah Allah, please forgive me for ABCD. Making supplication.
3: But if he's the perfect human being and he does not sin, how Mm. does he need to repent? Why
4: does he need to to ask for forgiveness? Good, excellent question. This is another class on Because, (laughs) Because despite that guarantee, unlike all of us who don't have the guarantee, the Prophet who was given the guarantee was a humble servant of Allah. He behaves as if you know, he has committed so much sins, whereas we who have committed sins don't even ask that much from Allah. You see the level of humility, the level of gratitude he has for whatever Allah has given him, he asks hundred times a day. And, and you, you pointed out correctly, he is forgiven anyway. But no, I am going to do that. Because this also gives an idea for his ummah, the Muslims, to take a cue from him. That if he asks for hundred, we you know we need more than hundred, <laughs> right? Or not? I mean, you just think about today. Like, what have I done today? Oh my God, you know, like, you know, more than hundred, more than hundred, <laughs> right? So when we talk about repentance, we cannot exclude ex- the fact that one of Allah's uh, ninety nine attributes is Al Ghafur, right? Al Ghafur means to cover and to protect. Okay, so when we say, example, Rob the like, Ya Allah, please forgive me, which is usually uh, translated to that, right? What we're actually asking, really in its strictest form is, Ya Allah, please cover my sins and protect me from those sins. That's what we're asking Allah. Okay, so there are many verses in the Quran and Hadith uh, that, discuss, that we discussed earlier last week, even when Allah tells us that He forgives everything. The only thing he does not forgive is, what does he does not forgive? Shirik. Shirik, which is associating something to Allah. And that's why, last week, when you asked me, what is the barest minimum to be a Muslim, believe in Allah, there's only one. Right? To, so, to exemplify this story, uh, this, 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 uh, this, this concept of forgiveness, I decide to tell you two stories. I have two stories to tell you. <clears throat> Want to hear yeah, 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 definitely. So. Okay, the first story comes from Sahih Bukhari. So it was narrated that in the days of Nabi Musa AS, uh he was wandering with the Bani Israel in the desert. There was an intense drought. No no, no rain, no shelter, nothing. Just very, very hot like nowadays. Were, I mean, not, not, not like nowadays, but really hot. And they were traveling in the desert. So together, they raised their hands and asked, you know, Allah for rain. And when you do that, the story usually is when you ask for rain, you get rain. right. But this, there's something that Allah wanted to teach them. So, when they finish their prayers, the clouds disappeared and the drought intensified. So, it becomes hotter. No rain came. Hmm. So, Allah revealed to Nabi Musa alayhi salam that there was amongst that group of Bani Israel, a sinner, who had disobeyed Allah for 40 years. For 40 years. And Allah says, let him separate himself from the group. You know, only then shall I shower you with rain. So what Prophet Musa did was like he talked, to, he, he held a conversation, he said, look, there is a person amongst us who has been committing sins for 40 years and have not repented. And because of him, you're suffering from this. And therefore, please come out And confess, so that we all will be rescued from this calamity. So, in in that group, there's that one man who Allah was referring to. He he waited and waited. Maybe it's not me. Maybe it's someone else. You know that kind of thing when you're in a group. Remember, Uh, he looking left and right, getting nervous, moving forward and up. You know, no one no one came forward. And so sweat starts to, to, I mean, perspiration starts to fall off on his face because then he suddenly realized that, oh no, uh, the Prophet Musa was suffering to me because I know that I've been sinful for 40 years. I have not uh, tawbah to Allah, make tawbah. And he knew that if he stayed amongst them, they will all die of thirst because Allah would not release the rain. But if he stepped forward and confessed, he'd be humiliated and sort of condemned for the rest of his life. So, it's like, uh, you know, I do this, I'm gone, I do this and I'm gone. So, he doesn't know what to do. So, what do you do when you're caught in that situation? What would you do if you're that man? Just pray that Allah forgives Precisely. That's what he did. So, he was, you know, if he were to confess, there's uh, there's a problem. But if if he didn't confess, there's a problem. So, he was totally stuck. And so, and just like all of us, we only go back to Allah when we are totally stuck. He raised his hands with a sincerity that he had never known before, with a humility that he had never tasted. And as tears were pouring down his face, he said, Ya Allah, have mercy on me. Ya Allah, hide my sins. Ya Allah, forgive me. Simple dua but a dua of sincerity, with humility, with desperation. Ya Allah, have mercy on me, hide my sins and forgive me. For all the 40 years he didn't do, he did it in this one minute. And then Allah accepted that dua. Right? as So when Nabi Musa and, and the Bani Israel waited for this person to come forward, suddenly clouds appeared and rain came down profusely. And so, Nabi Musa was confused. He said, Ya Allah, uh, you bless us with rain, but the guy hasn't confessed yet. So, uh, so what happened? And then Allah responded by saying, it is due to his repentance that I bless you all, Bani Israel, with this rain. InshaAllah. Mm. And yeah. so, what would, Freda, what would you ask next? Let's say you're having a conversation with Allah. When Allah says, because of him, you know, I bless you with rain. What's the next question? Mm-hmm. Oh, is guy or anyone? What's the next to, question? I mean, question to Allah or question to the person? Question to Allah. You 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 see the sequence of events, and then mm-hmm. and yeah. then you know there's rain without the guy coming forward. So, what's your next question? Would you forgive my sins, there? No, Nabi Musa said, "Okay, okay." Then tell me, show me who that person is. Oh, people like all of us, lah. You all very. Uh, nosy, but we always want to know people's problems and people's mistakes. Right? <laughs> ya Allah, show me. <laughs> Who is <that? laughs> No, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not joking, but it's real, but you know, it sounds like it's funny, but this is human nature. Right? Mm-hmm. Show, show, show him to me. And guess what Allah says? O Musa, I hid his sins for 40 years. Do you think that after his repentance, I shall expose him? MashaAllah. Mashallah. And this is narrated in Sahih Bukhari. Okay? So a man who has sinned for 40 years and who has caused calamity to his to his team, you know, and at the last moment, Allah valued his repentance so much that Allah forgives him and bless his team and give them rain. Okay? That's, that's a very inspirational story in Sahih Bukhari. And then I want to tell you another, another story. And this is... Um, a story from Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim as well, both Sahih. Um, among those before you, there was a man who killed ninety-nine men. I mean, if those who attend my classes, you know, I always like to tell this story because it's sort of become a justice for me. There's a man who has killed ninety-nine men. So don't ask me how come the police didn't come and arrest him. How come he's not in <laughs> prison? Those were different times. Okay, so he asked, "Who was the most knowledgeable in this world?" And uh, he wanted to ask him about repentance, so he was referred to a scholar, a scholar of faith who will just uh, this and this is haram, this and this is halal, this one is okay, this one okay. You know the kind of scholar. So he went to him and said, "Look, I've killed ninety-nine men. Is there any chance that I will be forgiven?" Now, if you look strictly by laws, rules, and regulation, what's your answer? You remember the Quran says, if you kill one, you kill the whole community, right? The whole Ummah right? This guy killed 99. So what's the answer? Do you think the scholar says yes or no? Does he have hope of, of, of being forgiven? Because no. No lah. Because, you know, you kill 99. I mean, 99, man. Like, even if you look at it in this, in this context of this world, like 99, I don't know how many times I can hang you. Right? So, so guess what he do? What did he do? So when the scholar said no, there's no chance that you be you be forgiven. He said, "Ah, well, ninety nine hundred, no difference." pump, He killed the scholar.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> okay, but but you know, like fitra, he, like, he starts like. But I just need to know because I want to do something about this. So can you direct me to another wise man? And so he was directed to a wise man of knowledge, right? and he asked the he told the wise man that you know i have killed now 100 men is there any chance that my Tawbah is uh, accepted by allah and so the wise man said yes because who can come between you and Tawbah? you and repentance who can come between that but he gave a condition he said so but you need to go to such and such a place Get away from your village because the village probably they were, you know, inspired you to commit sins. Uh, worship Allah with those people in that village. They were all good people and do not return to your village because it is not a good place for you. So he said, well, okay. So he didn't kill this wise man. He said, okay, good advice. So he packed his bag, stole all his belongings and then he was traveling to this village uh, on foot. But the story did not end there. Halfway. I mean, not halfway,
3: somewhere along the way, he died.
4: And guess which angels came to get him. If the judge is a a human judge, which angels would he send? Angel of heaven or angels of uh, guarding the gates of hellfire?
2: Probably hellfire. uh, Probably hellfire, right?
4: So in this case, in a rare occasion... Both angels of mercy and angels of punishment started to appear. The angels of mercy said, Look, he came in repentance, uh, turning with his heart to Allah. The angels of hellfire said, But he has not done a single good deed. In fact, he has killed 100 men. And so Allah sent a third angel who came to arbitrate between these two. He said, Measure the distance between the two villages. If he is near the village that he came from, the village of evil in a sense, he goes to hellfire. If he is nearer to the village of goodness, then he goes to paradise. Hmm. Okay. Now, we are, we are nearing the end of the story. Now the mercy and of Allah sets in. So now I want you to guess, he is nearer to which village? The evil village. The evil village. I give you a hint, the mercy of Allah sets in. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> so okay, I literally gave you the answer. He, he when the angels measured, the angels measured, and he was nearer to the village of good. And so therefore he the angels of mercy took him away. And this is in both Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. So my question is: this man killed hundred men. Killed, you know, killed. Not just like being gossipy or sarcastic. He killed hundred men. And he was on his way after repentance to a good place to making an effort to improve himself. You and I are so much better than this. So much better. If Allah, with His mercy, forgives this man, he surely have greater capacity for you and I because we have not killed even a single person. You understand this? Right, so these are some hadith stories of inspiration with regards to Tawbah. So do not uh, take it like a small matter because the Prophet himself made Tawbah 100 times, 70 times a day. Mm. Yeah. Great question. Yes.
0: Okay. Um, I'm just thinking if you know the story you shared about the killing part. Mm -hmm. If um, like someone like Hitler like killed so many people, and
4: (laughs) (laughs) you are sneaky, you're gonna ask me a (laughs) sneaky question. So you're gonna ask whether where do they go? No, no, no. Is it gonna be forgiven? I mean, like. Okay, a very, a, a very, these questions, uh, you know, I'm gonna rephrase and contextualize it to most of your issues. Most of most people will tell you that bad people go to hellfire, or especially you being reversed, they will tell you, like, you know, please save your parents because they are not Muslims and they may not be safe in the day of judgment. Is that correct? Is it something that you go through even yeah. um, by yourself? Now, listen. Allah gives a lot of uh, indication in the Quran and the Prophet has taught us many things in order to lead us towards paradise and to avoid hellfire. And to ask a question whether a certain person no matter how evil he is is going to hellfire or to paradise is a question that we as human beings do not have the capacity to answer. And it's not in our business <laughs> to, to make judgments and answer. So do not ask anyone whether someone else is going to hellfire or paradise, because you and I will never know. Nobody will know. No ustads, no scholar will tell you, yes, he's going. Paradise fire, for sure. If anyone answers you that question with certainty, ignore him. Turn around, find someone else. You know, because he doesn't know, he's just BS BS thing. <laughs> is that a word? BS thing you know, whatever, like, you know. Okay. But you know what I mean. No one would know. Okay. So yeah. what is our duty? This is something that we must know. <laughs> our duty is to do the best that we can. Our duty is to, 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 to persevere, our duty is to remain patient and we, access, we assess ourselves through those things and with the hope that Allah accepts. But even if sometimes, you know, we, we will talk about this in another day, in another, in, for another lesson, sometimes we think that we have done so much good, it may not guarantee you paradise. Because yeah. no matter how much, I mean, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of hadith that we can talk about, but like I said, in other, for another class, no matter how good things you are, If there is no sincerity, none of them matter at all. Mm. So Allah looks at the quality. Humankind judge you by quantity. Mm. So for example, you know, um, well, I used to work like normal people. Uh, Working hours is uh, 8 to 6, you know. And no matter how lazy you are from 8 to 6, as long as you come in 8 to 6, you are fine, you get the promotion. But if, it, you know, you come in eight zero one, but you are superbly efficient, and you finish your work at, at for the day at you know by lunchtime, and then after lunch you do, you know, tomorrow's work. Nobody is gonna value you in the system. But that's not how it works with Allah. You do your work because that is your amana, that is your w- responsibility, even if it's not recognized and acknowledged by humans on earth. Because really, humans cannot give you anything. I mean, humans don't have anything to give you. The most you can say, you know, and I, I mean, in, in my life, that I mean, I've gone through longer than, <laughs> than you guys because I'm older, somebody, person A, will say, well, you are the best Let's start, example. 10 years down the road, something happens. I didn't, I didn't answer his Facebook. You are the worst who starts. <laughs> you know? And, and I was like, oh, my value is just because I miss your Facebook <laughs> comment to like. It, it, you know, uh, it, it, literally that has happened to me before I forgot to like. He said, uh, you know, why are you biased and favorite? You like everybody. You never like me. You know, I, I don't want to attend your class anymore. Okay. Because whatever things that people give you, because you know they don't have, is 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 cheap. It doesn't come from something that they have. It's something that is from something else, right? So, mm-hmm. um, when we talk about uh, repentance, okay, um, scholars have said that it is a duty for all of us to repent for every of our wrong action. Okay, if it is disobedience which occurs between you and Allah, then that's tawbah. If it, is, it happens between you and another human being, you must personally seek forgiveness from that person. So how do you make tawbah? Very simple. Um, I I've summarized it in, uh, I, I like to summarize things in, you know. So I, I call it the three R's, you know, R, the alphabet R, three R's. The first R is you must regret for having committed a sin. Particularly, you must accompany that with sincerity, which is demanded of all of our deeds as 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 a Muslim, right? Number two, second R, you must relinquish the sin to give it up. And number three, you must resolve never to repeat it again. So you must regret you must relinquish, give it up. You must resolve never to repeat it again. That is the requirement of tauba. And like I said, if it is against someone personally, the fourth requirement, you must ask him directly for forgiveness first. So that's the first thing that you need to do to seek repentance. Mm-hmm. Okay? The second way, the second thing that you need to do, I mean, is to recite uh, in Islam, we call it Saidul Istifar, the hate of all repentance, regularly. Not just to read it as a ritual, but to understand the meaning and to be humble enough to su- subject yourself to it, and to the three R's. Have you heard of Saidul Istifar? Okay, you can uh, look from it in books you can you can even google it is it is available and you have the you know transliteration and english version so roughly allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha ila anta khalaqtani wa abduka wa ala ahdika wa 'ahdika mastata'tu a'udhu bika min shari ma sana'tu abu ulaka bi Anaya, wa abu ulaka bi dhanbi fa innahu la yaghfiru dhunuba illa anta Okay, it's a bit of a kind of a bit long, but um, it is something that you should look it up and you should memorize because it's something that you should recite frequently. Okay, it's called Sayyidul Istighfar, the Head of All Istighfar, and it means, "Ya Allah, You are my Lord; none has the right to be worshipped except You. You created me, and I'm Your slave, and I'm faithful to my covenant and my promise as much as I can. I seek refuge from with You from all the evil I've done." I acknowledge before you all the blessings you have bestowed upon me and I confess to you all my sins. So I entreat you to forgive my sins for nobody can forgive sins except you. And this is to be done in the form of Zikir with with, with understanding. Okay, so sometimes I, I, I'm very cautious of telling Muslims uh, read this how many times, how many times. Muslims like to, to tell you, okay, this one uh, you read uh, Fatiha seven times, this one you read this one, how many times, how many times, right? I mean, if you have something, you go to someone, and they'll probably say this, right? But that is not important for me. What is important is to understand what you say. So, for example, uh, and to appreciate what you say, you know, usually after prayer, we will do some zikr, We will say Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, right? And you are told to do that like thirty-three times each. And then some, then you go to the mosque, and you know, after the prayer, they'll say Alhamdulillah. Allahu <laughs> Akbar, Allahu Akbar, like you don't know what you're saying, you don't know, you know, you just like, try to rush. like what in the world are you saying, do you even understand what you're saying, but if you manage to understand exactly what you say, Alhamdulillah, 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 the gravity of praising Allah, Subhanallah, of praising Allah, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Allahu Akbar, of, you know, of, of, of extolling Allah in His greatness. That, even if it's not 33, is valued better than to just subhanallah, 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 subhanallah. You're not even say, saying subhanallah because you're rushing through. You don't even say it correctly. You understand what I mean? So, it is not a matter of how many times you read things. It's a matter of especially the Saudi iktifar uh, that we talked about just now, is reading it, understanding it, internalizing it, make sure the three R's that you regret you relinqu- you relinquish and you resolve not to repeat it again, and with the humility that you you, you present to yourself, inshallah Allah will forgive you so that's 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 number two. Number three, if you can get up and perform salat, Sunnah, tawbah preferably in the last third of the night. Because that last third of the night is where Allah comes down to the lowest of the heavens and He will ask, like, I mean, He is Allah, God. He is going down, uh, you know, doing something that He doesn't have to, but because He loves us so much, He's merciful, He's compassionate, He's most forgiving, He goes down to the, he goes down to the lowest of heavens and then He asks, Every night on the last third of the night, every night, he says, Who is calling upon me that I may answer him? So call on Allah in this time. And then he asks again, Who is asking from me that I may give him whatever you want in this world, ask him in this time. And the third question he asks, Who is seeking my forgiveness that I may forgive him? Three things Allah asks every night on the last third of the night. And this narrated in Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim. You know, so why do you need to ask? Why do you need to beg? Why do you need to depend on another human being who who cannot give you anything, who has nothing, who himself is depending on Allah?
3: Go back to the source. Because the
4: Almighty bothers to even come down every night in that period to want to, like literally begging to give you something. But What are we doing? Snoring. Don't even wake up for subo sometimes. You know, so this is our nature. And that's why the Prophet said, repent, repent, repent regularly. But if the situation is reversed, and someone... Okay, so this this is another important factor as a flip side to seeking taubah, is if someone commits something wrong to you, and you have been inflicted with some form of pain, Okay? We must be more than ready and willing to always forgive others. Even if they didn't ask for it. Even if they didn't ask for it. So a good practice that I always enjoined is to always forgive anyone who has trespassed your rights every night before you go to sleep. Without the need for them to ask you for forgiveness. Because remember, the, the, is, is, that's why I keep on saying basics are important because they are the, the other one that determines and define you. you. You must remember that asking for forgiveness or forgiving others, these acts are for you to achieve your peace with Allah,
3: with your Lord, and
4: peace with yourself. It is never, never About you and another person, because only you are responsible for your peace with Allah and with yourself. Right? So refocus your attention. Ignore what makes you stray from that hereafter. Come back. Always come back to Allah. Come back to your own fitrah of purity, of radar, of peace, because that is why you are a Muslim. First, always seek forgiveness from Allah. Be conscious of your own actions and never be shy to seek help from Allah, to seek for His forgiveness. Number two, always forgive others even if they didn't ask for your forgiveness. And remember, all of this journey is a journey back home to Allah. It is about your peace because your peace matters. Your peace gets you an invitation card to paradise. If you did not acquire that peace through Islam in this life, you have squandered the opportunities here on this earth. And I will tell you the invitation through that peace. Allah says in Surah Al-Fajr, and this is the last four verses in which Allah says, And this is the requirement. He says, O you soul whose heart is in a state of tranquility, whose heart in a state of rest, or whose heart is at peace. So he's addressing people who have achieved this level of peace. And he says, Return to your Lord well pleased and pleasing to Him and enter among my righteous servants, and enter my paradise. InshaAllah.
3: MashaAllah.
0: Yes. A bit speechless here, but um, I just want to say, you know, after you shared all this, um, so much going on in my head right now. One is, I'm thinking, You know, like how some people, when um, somebody commit murder on their children or something, and mm-hmm. the fa- there was this like story where the father actually go to court and forgive the killer. Yeah, the Muslim Muslim father, victim. Yeah, yeah. And and when you share this uh, thing, I think like you know, this is one of the. I mean, if I was in his position, it would be so hard to do that. You know. Mm-hmm. And and for, for, uh, for everybody, anybody, actually, <laughs> and 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 you know, you, you say that you know um, how we we have to still forgive mm. um, the person even yeah. such an atrocity is committed on us, and and it it sounds easy in words, right? But in action yeah. itself, right, it's a challenge. And how he do it, you know, it's so amazing. Yeah. So yeah, you, you know, if it's easy,
4: all of us can do it, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know it, it is meant to be slightly difficult but it's not impossible it's meant to be slightly difficult so we can taste the the sweetness of 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 um of obedience of of taqwa and so when we receive the invitation card to go to Jannah it is something that we know that yeah yeah you know, I deserve it in a way you know you were like okay i I got this you know yeah otherwise then this whole doesn't make sense because everybody is just like going to paradise without even trying. Yeah, it takes a
0: lot of I mean, a lot of iman and patience and I mean the amount of faith to be that person. That level. Yeah. That level is is just just so amazing. And and plus you said, you know, um how we can be good in everything mm-hmm. and try everything good, but it's only through Allah's mercy that we enter yeah. paradise. So it's like... Um, You're not even sure, although you try. Little. After <laughs> yeah. you try everything. yeah. But this I is another
4: topic got... for another day. But you know, yeah. the, the, the basic principles that we can grasp with is we must do good deeds. We must be a good person, right? Uh, the, the 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 topic of whether we have invited Allah's grace, Allah's mercy in order to accept what we do is... We're well, in another topic altogether. Lah. We can deal with it in another session.
0: <laughs> I think it's kind of. So, I want to.
4: I want to tell you, and I want to tell the audience out there that you know, um, it is not just following the first episode, second episode. If you can, uh, we have crafted these sessions, um, like you know, in a developmental way, so that you know, you 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 get bit by bit, and then it gets developed, and then you reach there, right? So just so follow us through throughout, you know, Let's our get deeper and deeper, okay, deeper <laughs> and deeper, <laughs> yeah.
2: Yep, it's gonna yes. I actually had a, a, a few conceptual questions. The first one is is it is it possible to forgive someone but not show it in action? For example, if someone kills my son, but I still press charges in court in order to get him locked up in prison, but in my heart I forgive him. Is that possible? Well, you see, if someone murders your son and you, as
4: a good Muslim, forgives him. You don't have to press charges because the authorities would press charges on your deceased son themselves, because a crime has been committed inflicted upon a member of the community that they are protecting. So, well, even though you don't press charges, they would they will still go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, So the important thing is for you to control yourself. Yes. Right. Your peace is have you made peace with yourself and with Allah with regards to that incident? Mm -hmm. And if it has, then all all is good. As far as the baggage of the world, where he has broken uh, the norm, then the world will deal with him in in their terms.
2: Of the the world. Okay. Yeah. So so the second question I had is actually kind of the same question, uh, because Mm -hmm. earlier you mentioned if you've wronged someone, Um, you have to ask for their forgiveness Mm -hmm. as well as Allah's forgiveness. But if they choose not to forgive you, uh, then will Allah forgive you? Or is this really a different concept? Okay, so if you commit
4: a grief someone, the requirement is that you must sought his forgiveness. You must seek his forgiveness, right? Now, let's say, Iskandar, you did something to me. And then you came to me, you said, Safran Rahman, uh, please forgive me for that thing, for that kick on your face, for example. Now, Sorry as... <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> as, uh, remember, I specialize in kickboxing more than my boxing. Uh, so <laughs> um, what do you expect a person of faith to respond when you ask for my forgiveness? Uh,
2: if I'm in the wrong
4: I, I Yeah, think you're I'm in the wrong, expo- you kick me and then you yeah. say, okay, please forgive me and so what do I expect a person of faith to respond? How?
2: what would I say? I actually think one should respond with or I used to think that one should respond with you know, justice or rather uh, they're in, under no obligation to forgive me but mm. because they're a person of faith uh, uh Maybe they, they will forgive
4: me. <laughs> Maybe. Now, if, you're, if, if the, pers- the, the one you inflicted pain was, is a person of faith and really understood Islam, he will, no matter what, forgive you.
3: Okay.
4: Right? He will forgive you. If he doesn't forgive you, he has not understood his faith good enough. Because, right. you know, uh, Allah says, I forgive you and you do not, do not want to be forgiving. Mm -hmm. then how should Allah be to you? Uh, You know? Because, I mean, you come to me with your sins as much as the earth and the sky or uh, earth full of sins. I forgive you abundantly as much as you sin. You know, and then somebody asks you for forgiveness for kicking his face and you refuse to forgive him? So that is your prerogative. So you committed a mistake, you asked for forgiveness, you came to me. Now, if I forgive you, all well and good. But if I don't forgive you, your duty to ask for my forgiveness has already been discharged. Now, what happens then is that Allah will start to ask me on the day of judgment, why when Allah forgives, you did not forgive. So now I will take the burden of that. Okay, so as long as you ask forgiveness sincerely and then whether he accepts or not, you're done with your duty and then you ask Allah for forgiveness. That's it, you're done. And he will have to carry. If he said yes, I forgive you. Good. If he doesn't forgive you, Allah will then question him and make him accountable. All right. Good question. Uh, thank you. Thank
0: you. Okay, it's
4: clear. Um,
0: Joanne, do you have any anything you want to ask? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> Just putting it out there because <laughs> you're quiet the whole time. Are you still
4: warming no, up, Joanne?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's really <laughs> good because. I'm also really
4: hard to forgive people. <laughs> yeah. So if you want Allah to be always forgiving to us, I mean, it's this, that's not yes, you. It's yes. for everybody. Yes. Then we must also learn how to uh, forgive people quickly. Always forgive others, and and don't forget another thing, and also forgive yourself. <laughs> right. Mm. And this Very is important to forgive
0: important. yourself. Yes. Yeah. Because some people can blame themselves every time and. <laughs> Oh, you know, all the time. All the time. And they never yeah. move on from there. <laughs> why well, you got a story, yeah. Uh? <laughs> no, <no, no>, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean uh, yeah, yeah, I mean I've, I've uh, heard some, some stories about counselors who listen on the phone where people want to commit suicide, right? They are blaming themselves sometimes and they keep going on and they spiral. Okay, yeah. don't bring
4: that up. There's another yeah. big topic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Okay.
3: There's a question we, in the comments. Yep um that says uh one second let me scroll up a little bit um basically like where can we um like get more study or like knowledge and learn more about like these type of topics is there like a book or a source or anywhere that we can learn more about the specific topics mentioned from these like chats uh
4: you can follow us on this live program once a week it's like a once a week once a week class just one (laughs) (laughs) no i mean seriously uh, there are many many books out there that that uh, talks about this, but I suppose because it's a book, uh, you know, you 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 should read it, but uh, y- you know, sometimes the contextualization of it might be a little bit um, difficult for you to find. Right The explanation of it, and the Q and A, the feedback of how you want to apply it in your life, you, you cannot do with a book. So the first source that you always find is a book. Read it, but the second important thing that you need to go to do is with the book, you should study and you must study with someone who knows about the topic that you're, you're, you're talking about. Where you can clarify, where you can contextualize, where you can put into today's context, where you especially tell you tell him or her this is the issue I have with my aspect of maybe a uh, tauba. Uh, how do I apply this? You know the kind of questions that maybe it's kinda just earlier on. You know, you you don't have that kind of communication with the book, so you get the book for its first principles, and then you must study with someone on a regular basis. So that you can have a good exchange and application of their principles. Good, good for you to pick it up. Okay,
0: got something to add here. Um, yeah. To all viewers out there, you know, Cyber Rahman Mind himself have given a couple of lectures before, and um, honestly, you know, it's really charitable of, of him to do to these uh, topics weekly with us because. It's really like a lecture, right? <laughs> and, and these things, people pay for them, actually. Uh, for some, from some of them who, you know, attend his class. Um, but in, in, in Singapore, in Singapore I mean, he does it for free. And uh, you're getting all this uh, knowledge. And also, just want to add that, you yeah, you can get all this knowledge from the book. But what you're getting here is like a fast track thing. Because you're getting it direct from uh, someone who actually gone through and read
4: all these things of concise it for you <laughs> through this live session, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's my job in thinking about the, the the topic that we're going to discuss. So it's easier for you to digest out of a variety and myriad of uh, information that you have out there on the topic. I mean, there's, I mean, people write books on this topic, you know. So there's a lot of information. What I'm just giving you is just a skeletal brief of uh, what I think will be useful. At least you can go back home tonight and then you can just like uh, understand a little bit. And then you go back to the books and you read it. You can put things in its place. So it's easier for you to understand. Inshallah, hopefully. MashaAllah. Thank
0: you so much. Um, any more questions from uh, the panelists? We have actually crossed the hour and a half mark now. Oh, wow. it's Pass- <laughs> yeah. very long today. Yeah, mashallah. the conversation just got really interesting. And so, yeah, here we are. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, yes. All right. Um, Well, ladies and gentlemen, I think um, since we've covered everything in the points of this topic, I hope you've benefited uh, immensely from today's sharing. So next week's topic would be a reverse story. Uh we'll hopefully be able to invite someone up here. I think I'm still looking for that person <laughs> 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 to, to to come to share his story and uh his or her story, and from there we will we'll move on to you know uh, discuss more on that that revert story. And afterwards, you know, still, stay tuned every week. We have new topics, and uh we hope all of you have a beautiful week ahead, inshallah.
4: Yep. yep. Okay, so uh, maybe Ustad, you would like to end with tasbeeh kafara, <laughs> so to us. <laughs> okay, I just wanna people will be wondering what is uh tasbeeh kafara and so on. So why we're doing okay. this? Because especially in the first three years of Islam in in Mecca, when uh you know they had to learn Islam in secret, uh before they leave every night, the the Prophet instituted you know reading this so that whatever mistakes we have committed uh in 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 our session uh will be forgiven and to remind us as we depart for the week uh, for the rest of the days so and we live for our lives that remember that there are things that in Surah answer uh these are the things that we that will lead us to our success these are the things that we do so that we don't get lost right so uh let's recite Tazbih Kafara and Surah Atul Asr together inshallah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Subhanak wa bihamdika ashhadu an la illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Bal as innal insana fi khusr illa alladhina amanu wa amilus salihati wa tawassalu alhaq wa tawassalu al sabr sadaqallahu thank you so much ustaz
0: for all the sharing today and everyone who turned up and uh, we hope to see you again in the next week inshallah and asalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa good night good night